Welcome to From the Well, a podcast from the Academy for Spiritual Formation. We invite you to take the time to pause, center, and listen deeply. The content you will hear contains excerpts from faculty presentations recorded at Academy for Spiritual Formation events. The Academy is an international program ministry of the Upper Room that provides courses of retreat and study steeped in the rhythms and practices of contemplative life. For more information, please visit our website at academy.upperroom.org. We hope you enjoy. Hi there, I'm Kristen Vincent, and Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Alleluia. You know, in our last episode, we talked about pilgrimage. Lloyd Allen helped us understand the importance of taking such journeys to deepen our faith and experience of God. We looked at how we could use Lent as an opportunity to take a pilgrimage, walking along with Christ as he made his way to Jerusalem and the cross. Did you do that? Were you able to journey with Jesus through Lent? Did you see him in his last days of his ministry? Did you see the ways in which he tried to prepare his disciples for what was to come? Did you see Jesus seated at the table with them for the Last Supper? Or maybe you saw him arrested, beaten, tried and sentenced? Or as he stumbled his way with the cross to Golgotha? Maybe you saw the Son of God hanging from the cross as he died. Did you also go to the tomb with Mary Sunday morning and find that Jesus was gone? Did you stand with her as Jesus spoke her name and she realized he had been resurrected? And did you run with her to tell the others this incredible news? If so, what impact did this journey have on you? What did you make of all this? What did you feel? How did this change you? And how do you come home? How do you return to your normal life having had this awesome experience? Here, Dr. Allen talks about the difficulty of returning home from pilgrimage. Homecoming. We return blessed to be a blessing. Frequently, the experiences that we have have such a profoundness to them that it's difficult for us to find words to describe them because there's this, this change that has incur occurred in us, but it is larger than any simple description. And one of my favorite expressions of that was Pastor Will Goatley, who returned from the Israel pilgrimage with us, and he emailed us the second week he was back. He emailed, today my church family, he's a pastor, today my church family saw me for the first time since I've been back in the States. I have finished answering today for the 100th time. How was your trip? When I gave the same answer to everybody, it was wonderful. That didn't seem to satisfy them, and I know it didn't satisfy me. Will some of y'all please tell me how to explain what we've been through? Uh, and of course the answer is, you can't quite. So it may not be through saying, there may be something that happens to you during this week, some change that has occurred, some new way of looking at the world and at faith that uh, will be hard to explain. 
But if you bring the boon, the treasure back with you, you will be the treasure. You will be the explanation. Transformation deep in the heart, the center of the pilgrim, is bodily, psychically, spiritually, perhaps inexpressible, but we hope uh, irrepressible because the seer is changed. You don't just tell what you saw, but you have become something different. We have come out of Lent into Easter. Christ is risen. The world as we have known it is completely different. We have encountered bodily the Son of God, seen his deep love for us, watched as he sacrificed himself for our sins, and been offered the gift of eternal life. There is no going back. And there is no way we can come out of that the same as we were. As Dr. Allen shares, we have been transfigured. We don't return as we were, but we are transformed. I put the word transfigured, for here's Christ transfigured. And uh, my understanding is that uh, transfiguration is very important in Eastern Orthodox faith. And that transfiguration is a, is a very important scene of scripture in that faith. And that at least one commentary that I have read on it says, Jesus is normal at transfiguration. That it is normal for the light of God, from the image of God to shine out from us. That's the normal life. So we are seeking to let the light shine. Many of you in uh, American and perhaps in others, I don't know how far the song goes. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let the light shine. This is a, I'll close with a, this poem by Faye Slim. It's called Coming Home. She writes, Home is within the self. All voyage brings us there. To be aware of welcome, we would have been sharing our love. Now, departing from distant shores, we find new ways toward the start for home. Loath to leave behind adventure, yet singing of eternity, we find balance which joy in self brings. Homecoming then, feels just fine. Homecoming is just fine because we return from our pilgrimage bearing gifts. These gifts are within us. They are the good news of Jesus Christ and the difference His love has made in our lives. They are the hope of new life and transformation available to all. But how do we maintain the power and presence of these gifts? How do we ensure that we continue to live as ones who have been transformed by God's love? Sure, we return from our journey with the high that comes from mountaintop experiences. But over time, as we step back into the busyness of our everyday lives, we may begin to forget what happened. The newness of the experience wears off and we lose sight of those gifts. We may even forget we received them. The answer, I think, lies in spiritual practices. Spiritual practices are those things we can do to maintain our awareness of God. They help us stay connected with God so that we are continually reminded of God's presence with us and love for us. They point us to the truth of Jesus Christ and His ministry here on earth. 
They reveal the everyday power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Spiritual practices help us pay attention and maintain the power of our pilgrimage. They include things like prayer, journaling, fasting, worship, spending time with other Christians, meeting with a spiritual director, reading scripture, and even walks through the forest. They are anything that opens our awareness to God. Jane Venard talks about the importance of spiritual practices in our lives as Christians. She also says there are ways we should be careful to make sure our practices are adding to rather than detracting from our spiritual lives. The impact of steady engagement with spiritual practices gives a rhythm to one's life. Now, when we talk about steady engagement with spiritual practices, we can get kind of like, all right, have I done this this week? Have I done this this quarter? Have I done these things? But I think it means more the rhythm that we have if we keep our eyes, our ears, and our hearts open. And the Buddhist writer says that practices are designed to catch our days, to catch our days so we can live more mindfully. So there's a wide range of ways we can define spiritual practice. But I'd also like to lift up some of the dangers of spiritual practice, or the dangers and the distortions that can come around spiritual practices. And one of them is that we get very legalistic. And some people think that some spiritual practices are better than others. Some people will tell you you can't be a contemplative if you don't practice centering prayer regularly. Somebody named that the other day. If you get that kind of a statement, it's a spiritual watchdog. Kind of like they're protecting. And it's like, well, you aren't a contemplative because you don't do this. So we need to be careful about that and also about the quantification. How many times do I do it? Is every day better than three days a week? What are we doing around the practices? How are we looking at them? How are we experiencing them? And then we can get into this place of comparing ourselves with others. And often it's not that they're putting themselves above us. It's our own inner stuff. I have a wonderful dear friend who's about to be 93, and she started practicing centering prayer about 30 years ago. And she'll say some days, oh, my centering prayer, I don't even know if it's centering prayer anymore. I just kind of place myself before God, and, and there I am, and 45 minutes later, I don't even use my sacred word. I'm just, I think, oh my goodness, I have a long way to go. I started comparing myself. Well, she's 93, and she's a different personality, and all of those things, but we can do that to ourselves. That we ought to be able to do it like somebody else does it, or we ought to be able to measure up. And if you get any spiritual teacher that says they know what's best for your spiritual life, there's that outer authority we were talking about. We know. We know what feeds us. And we need to be careful and to honor that. The other thing that can also happen is that we can move into a sense of accomplishment and spirit and um, superiority and often a little bit of arrogance. Oh, yes. I've been to three of Richard Rohr's retreats. <laughs> Whatever it is that we measure, we can get into that. And maybe we don't get into it, but we can watch other people get into it. And if we see other people doing it, chances are we're doing it too. I just haven't noticed it. 
is a term called spiritual materialism. Which is something we need to avoid. It's just like materialism. We gather things together. That we've been to this ashram, and we've been to that teacher, and we've been to that conference, and we practiced this, and we did this, and we, we've done all those things. Look at all the things I've done. When in the 70s, when I was early in exploring this, we had a term we called about people who were awareness junkies. People who went to one more place, to one more practice for more awareness, and their life was still a mess. They were awareness and awareness and awareness, but none of it was coming out into the world. And so we need to be careful about that and to ask ourselves when we sign up for one more conference. Um, whether that's really what we need to do, or is that just gathering more stuff? The other place that we can get off in spiritual practices is when we practice for ourselves rather than for God. Um, it's kind of um, egoistic spirituality. I practice to become more holy. I practice to become more compassionate. I practice to be more loving. And as I talk about it in the book, those are the fruits of practice. They're not the goals of practice. But if we set those up as goals, then we're really doing it for us. It's not about God. It's about us. And so our willingness to serve God through practice, because that's really what we're doing. Through our practice, we make ourselves more available to serve God. If we shift that around, we practice as a way to have God serve us. If I just do this, God will grant what I want. If God knows how much I love God, it's not about that. It's about serving God. Like anything in our lives, spiritual practices can develop into legalism or materialism or other things. But that doesn't have to be the case. If we stay focused on God and listen for God's voice in our lives, we will certainly find a happy medium, one where we find practices that feed us and connect us with God's love. Indeed, Reverend Bernard explains that the whole point of spiritual practices is to lead us to God's love. Behind discipleship and beyond disciplines is love. The great commandment to love with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love of God, of others, and ourselves. Spiritual practices open us to receive love and share love. They don't bring love. We're already loved. They allow us to sink in to the love that's around us and available. If we practice the disciplines to realize God's love for us, our love of God and others, we live as God would have us live. And then I think this is very important. Not so much about spiritual formation, but about love formation. The practices and prayer are about love formation. And if your practices are not bringing forth that fruit, you might ask yourself, that's the practice you need to be doing right now. It's very interesting in spiritual direction how many of my directees at different points in their life say that what they've been practicing serves them no longer and doesn't help God serve them. 
It's like, it's just dry, it's just hard work. I get up in my chair and I just, and I'm sorry, I spent the time doing that. That's not a very loving response. And so there's that sense of how do we, how do we look at and value our spiritual practices as love formation? There's no way we can quantify that, but we know it. We know what practices make us loving. Um, my younger stepson is a prime example of this. In the religious family, one of our values when I joined the family, and had been before, was to go to church together. I mean, how many religious think that that's a value? My older stepson loved church. My younger stepson hated church. Hated church. And went through this thing every Sunday. Why do I have to go? I hate going. I don't want to go. Why do I have to go? And so, you know, by the time we got to church, none of us were very loving. It was not <laughs> a very happy situation. And when we got in there, he'd sit in the back, he'd pull his baseball cap down. He was really obnoxious at church. And so we decided that maybe we didn't, you know, that this wasn't doing what we hoped would happen, which is become more loving and open and compassionate. Um, so we told him that he could, he could um, stay home. He couldn't go to Sam's, and he couldn't watch television, he couldn't, you know, but he could just stay home. He didn't have to go. He'd have to entertain himself for that hour. And then he said, well, will you bring donuts? And he said, no, if you don't come, you can't have donuts. <laughs> but the whole family eased. He stayed home on Sundays. He is not a churchgoer, and he's a very committed, spiritual man. And I think if we had insisted and gone on and on with that, um, it would have been awful for all of us. And we did say, now if this one Sunday, for some special reason, we really want you to come, would you come and kind of be civil? And he said, yes. So when my mother would come to visit, and my mother liked us all to go to church, I said, Dorothy wants you to come to church with us. He said, okay. <laughs> so that love formation, are our spiritual practices helping in our love formation? We come through Lent and into Easter, transformed by this amazing journey with Jesus. We are awestruck by the depth of God's love for us and filled with joy. And so that we can maintain that joy and share it with others, we take up those practices that keep us connected with God. What spiritual practices can you maintain or start anew? What will help you pay attention to God's presence in your life? What feeds you and calls you to feed others? We are resurrection people, given the wonderful, incredible opportunity to share this good news with others. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this installment of From the Well a podcast from the Academy for Spiritual Formation. We encourage you to visit our website at academy.upperroom.org to learn more about our ministry and to continue the conversation about today's topic. You can join our mail list from the contact page and you can also find us on Facebook. From the Well is now available on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher. Just search for From the Well or Academy for Spiritual Formation from within any of those services. From there, you can subscribe to our monthly podcast 
find previous episodes, offer comments, and share it with others. Thank you and blessings on your journey.